take those things that you're not happy with and find the positive light in them, you know? Um, you may not like your nose, but does it smell? Because there's a lot of people that can't smell beautiful things right now, right? So find those things, find the beauty in those and really take an, a dive deep and find those. Because when you start to really address those negative thoughts, you actually become even more beautiful when you start emitting positivity towards yourself. Hello, beauty. Yes, you. Join me, host Joyce Platon, as I chat with today's beauty, wellness, and lifestyle visionaries. Let's discover their motivating journey together as I merge my love for the art and my passion in revealing one's true inner beauty. This episode is brought to you by Cubby, the perfect skincare routine that's simple and effective with just three essentials for healthy skin. Shop the Covey routine at CoveySkin.com and get 10% off with code HelloBeauty. That's H-E-L-L-O-B-E-A-U-T-Y. Hey there, Joyce Baton here and welcome to Hello Beauty. Today's special guest is Dr. Trisha Pingle. Dr. Trisha Pingle is a naturopathic physician and the author of Total Health Turnaround, which discusses the impact of stress on your health. She is also the founder of Pingle Progressive Medicine, which takes a multidimensional and integrative approach to healthcare. Welcome to Hello Beauty, Dr. Trisha Pingle. So nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you. I feel like this topic is just what we need nowadays. Like, you know, the cliche term now more than ever, but it is really applicable because we have gone through such a rough year and I know people are getting back into the swing of things, but I feel like we still do need a bit of help here and there. On that note, I do want to learn about your background as a naturopathic physician and what inspired you to become one. Um, absolutely. And I agree. What a year, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, interestingly enough, I originally wanted to become a veterinarian. That was my mm. plan. And I think what I loved about veterinary medicine is that you didn't know what the symptom was. You know, the dog didn't walk in and say, oh, doc, I have a headache, right? So they yeah. would walk in and they would be uncomfortable. And there was a lot of diagnosis that had to go into that. I had to look at the entire being. I had to consider labs. I had to consider what was apparent mm -hmm. symptoms. And they come up with the diagnosis. And I loved that. And that was really my path. However, right about that time when I was applying to veterinary school, uh, my dad had a massive stroke and he went mm -hmm. into a coma. And uh, I flew up to see him in the hospital. And I remember just very distinctly, I was in my early 20s and, and I was trying to talk to the doctors and I had some medical knowledge and I'm trying to ask them questions. And there was like this wall. And I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you're the patient and you're trying to get information and there's just no communication. You feel like you can't oh my make gosh, an educated yeah. choice, right? So I was trying to make an educated decision that was a really serious decision for my dad. And I felt like I couldn't get any answers to even make a decision. And that led me into looking into naturopathic medicine or ways to become a physician that would allow that communication between the doctor and the patient, that patient empowerment. And so naturopathic medicine really aligned with my beliefs, uh, really focuses on individualized medicine, you know, looking at each individualized person as their own unit. Um, having a conversation, giving patient education, doctor as teacher, so that the patient can walk away with, you know, the knowledge they need to say, yeah, I feel comfortable with this or not with that. So that's how I ended up in naturopathic medicine. It kind of blended that love of diagnostic of veterinary with my experience as a patient and as a loved one of a patient. Um, so that's how I ended up being there. And I just want to provide that care to other people and that education to other people. 
Yeah, it's just so funny because I was just recently, like probably just a week ago, I was telling my friends how I've been somewhat jumping from doctor to doctor because I am trying to look for that connection and that communication. And I'm like, how am I supposed to feel comfortable going back if this doctor is not, it's like I have, it's like pulling teeth, you know, out of them. And I, and I know that, you know, I do have a responsibility to as a patient to ask the right questions, but sometimes how would I know what to ask that I don't know about, you know, like I am just so confused. I agree. And when I opened my practice um, over 10 years ago, it was based on my whole model was based on the patient doctor relationship, because mm -hmm. if you can't talk to your doctor and ask questions and your doctor can't give you the credibility of doing your research and trying to get education, mm -hmm. I don't see how you're going to be well. And the ultimate job of a doctor is to get you and keep you well, that's our job. And the only way we can do that is if we listen and we communicate and it is, it's lacking unfortunately a lot in healthcare. And, and I think this last year has kind of brought that out a lot too. A lot of people really wanting to learn more about their health, what they can do proactively. So yeah, it's um, definitely something I'm passionate about. I feel your pain <laughs> trying to find the right person. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, that's why I'm excited to dive deep into this topic yeah. and what you do. So what is the difference between a naturopathic physician and the convention internal medicine doctor? Yeah, the difference is more in philosophy. You know, mm -hmm. as a naturopathic physician, I still went to medical school. You know, I had to do my certain rotations and all of that. I had to learn pharmacology and physiology and biochemistry and uh, you name it. Right. But we also learned, um, herbal therapies, traditional Chinese medicine, homeopathy, and a ton of nutrition. Mm -hmm. And what the main focus of a naturopathic physician is, is to focus on the body's innate ability to heal itself. So looking at where the body may have deficiencies and supporting that so that it can regulate the disease development, as opposed to just simply suppressing a symptom. The mm -hmm. problem with suppressing a symptom in all cases is that our body is very smart. So if you had, if you were on a freeway and you wanted to take an exit and there was a sign that said, don't go this way, you're going to find yeah. another way to get there. Right. Yeah. So if you think of a medication or a lot of the suppressive therapies that we have, they basically block the road and your body's like, well, I'm going to get there somehow. So you convert yeah. all these different uh, pathways that start to happen. And that results in side effects. So when you, when you look at certain side effects of certain medications, a lot of that is the body's ability trying to heal. It's trying to do its mm. job and it's being stopped. So naturopathic medicine in a, in a nutshell looks at that, looks at the body as an entire being, pays attention mm. to what the body is going to do when it has this treatment, what is the response, and tries to facilitate a natural, normal reaction in the body. Um, so, uh, and really, really focuses on patient education. Uh, that's a really, really big part of naturopathic medicine is allowing the patient um, the ability to do research, discuss pros and cons of everything. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I know to make it more effective or to heal better, you know, I feel like if we know, if the patient is empowered and knows uh, information that they need to know and even do their research, like what you mentioned, it will help them because right. You know how they say like maintenance really happens at home when you're not around maybe your trainer or your doctor, you know, it's like what you do by yourself is what helps you in the long run. Yeah. And it helps you stay committed. You know, anytime mm -hmm. you commit to something, it's because you see value in it. And if we're not taking value in our health, um, because it's such an important thing, if you don't have the education to be able to understand the value of health, it's hard to commit to health lifestyle changes. It's just, it's almost impossible because, you know, it, it, 
just impossible to commit if you don't have the education. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So you've talked about stress and you focus a lot on stress and how it impacts the body. And definitely this year, you know, we've been talking about experiencing changes in our hair, skin, um, even digestive system. What are some of these changes that people are noticing aside from these things that traces back to stress that people find surprising? Yeah, there's quite a lot. And I think Mm -hmm. uh, just a note on this last year, I think it's really been eye opening for people, you know, and it's been an opportunity to become more aware of how much we do value our health and how much we do value our relationships and our lives, you know, so I think it was a real learning opportunity for many of us. And I know that there has been a a ton of my patients have reported, you know, hair loss and weight gain and, you know, skin. Me, definitely. But I think um, one thing that I think was the most surprising to me, what I saw was the impact of what we chose to do in response to the pandemic actually causing more uh, disease. Um, For example, fear and stress go hand in hand. So if you have fear, so if you're in the woods and you see a bear, right? And Mm -hmm. you have a fear response, you run, right? You get away from the bear, there's stress from that. And that stress causes fear for another bear. So fear causes stress, stress causes fear. I think this last year has been through a lot of uncertainty, which causes a lot of fear. And Mm -hmm. from that, what we have seen is a lot of change in our health, simply from us always being in that state of running from a bear, just always being in that, well, what's next? Well, what's next? Well, what's next? And what that does is it downregulates the things that we need to repair ourselves. So oddly enough, what was most surprising to me to get back to your question was that from that fear and some of the lockdowns and such, we saw people gaining weight, which gave them more risk factors for problems from the disease if they were to Mm -hmm. contract COVID. We saw more susceptibility to viral illness. We saw more pre-existing conditions, increase Mm -hmm. in diabetes, increase in blood pressure problems, cholesterol problems, inflammation, immune system. And then on top of that, people weren't leaving and going to the doctor. So they weren't getting screenings either. So we were seeing more and more disease. And um, some of the stats from that were just, I mean, when I sat down and I read, I think it was last fall on the increase in Mm -hmm. rates of suicide and depression and anxiety as a result from stress, you know, it kind of broke my heart. (laughs) So I think a lot of us have these symptoms and we think they're normal, but they're really not. And we need to really pay attention to those changes that we've seen emotionally throughout this year, because they're going to drive our health moving forward. And they all link back to that stress, the stress of the unknown, the uncertainty. Um, we really like predictability, don't we? Yeah, no, that's interesting to me because my mom is an example. She went through like a stressful event um, a few years ago and then she didn't have diabetes, but after that stressful event, she developed diabetes. So isn't, yeah, that I was like, wow, that's crazy how stress alone, it's not even because you're genetically predisposed to this type of disease, but because of stress alone, you are going to develop certain diseases that could be, be very harmful to your health. And that's very alarming. It is. And you know what, on the diabetes, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. It was, a, there was a 2020 study where they found that during the pandemic, weight gain occurred in 40% of the population and diabetes increased by 7%. Wow. 
So if diabetes is increasing by 7% and weight gain is increasing, that actually puts you at higher risk of problems, would you have catched mm-hmm. COVID anyway? And not to mention just other yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah, I think some of those stats were really surprising to me. And of course, anytime you're under stress, your hair, your skin, your nails, all the stuff that we pay attention to when we look in the mirror are going to be impacted. Um, yeah, I've experienced shedding. Yeah, yeah, right. So crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this, I mean, this really connects to adrenal fatigue, and your practices focus focuses on this specifically. Can you talk to us about what exactly the adrenal system is? and how we develop adrenal fatigue and how can we address this? Absolutely. So adrenal fatigue is essentially just our adaptation to stress uh, over time. I mean, we Mm -hmm. are adapting creatures. We adapt to survive. So when you have constant stimulation and the body is constantly in that fight or flight, our body has to adapt to that in order to keep us alive, to keep us from running from that bear. And that's essentially adrenal fatigue. And the problem with it is it comes in a variety of stages with a variety of symptoms uh, because the adrenal glands are linked to um, basically every single system in our body. Um, And even though this condition is so common, yet it's one of the most underdiagnosed, Um, It was something to the effect of 90% of doctor's visits are for stress-related issues, Um, but people have to go to the doctor three times before they're even talked about Um, Mm -hmm. or they're handed a script for an antidepressant or told to go to counseling, right? Um, And we're a society that, you know, lives by a cell phone and email and social media Mm -hmm. and scrolling where, where we're constantly being triggered to be in the sympathetic state. And unfortunately, health, you know, how we clear our liver, regulation of blood pressure, how we digest food for energy, how we sleep, how we feel, how we look, how our immune system system functions. Those are all based on when our body is relaxed, when it's calm, not when it's under stress. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we were not built to handle the amount of stress that most of us take on. And I think as time has gone on, we take on more and more and more. I know I take too much on in general, Uh, I'm sure all of us do. Um, But yeah, so the adrenal glands are at the root of all this because they dictate what our body does when the stress comes in. Um, Mm. So uh, I see a ton of changes, diabetes being one of them, low thyroid function, uh, irritable bowel disease, constipation, uh, reflux, insomnia, menstrual cycle changes, just generally feeling fatigued, not sleeping well, depression, anxiety. A lot of people say, well, we can't stop the stress, Dr. Pingle. What mm-hmm. exactly are we supposed to do? But, yeah. but we can actually. So everybody has stress. We have external stress, which is what you'd think it would be, money, mm-hmm. family, mm-hmm. death, whatever. And then you've got internal stress, which could be a nutrient deficiency. Let's say Mm. that your microbiome is off or you're low in vitamin C, or you don't feed yourself nutritious food that causes internal stress. Mm. So what we do have is we have the ability to control the energy that we allow in. Um, there was a, you know, there's sayings that, you know, you get what you put out there. So if you're putting out this energy that is bringing in trouble and stress, you will get more stress. There's no question. (laughs) So finding a way to control the way that you interpret stress and then also, you know, replenishing all of those traditional or normal nutrient deficiencies that happen with stress so that your body can still do its job. We can actually change this. We actually have the power to do it. We just Mm -hmm. have to change our mindset. And I think this last year is, but you've seen 50% of the people saying, yep, 
I'm going to change my mindset. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this down. And then you've got the other people saying, oh, no, you know, so we've got to get everybody on the same page of saying, look, we can move forward. We can control what we expose ourselves to, who mm-hmm. we expose ourselves to, and what we're going to do about it. We have that power. And that's, that's incredible because it gives you the power to reverse not only stress, but prevent and reverse disease, which is huge. No, I love that. But um, I know that we definitely have the power to change our mindset and the levels of stress that we experience. But sometimes I honestly feel it's overwhelming sometimes because I know these things. And, you know, because listening and finding out credible resources like you, I do take that in. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense. But then giving myself more of like a to-do list and being more mindful about these things that I have to do to be less stressed. Doesn't that also cost more stress? Do you have any tips on how we don't, you know, end up in that vicious cycle? (laughs) I hear that all the time. And oddly enough, one of the number one symptoms of adrenal fatigue is the feeling of being overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, there's too much coming at you and you're just like, forget it. You know, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Like trying Um, to be on top of everything, like my health, my fitness, mm -hmm. you know, work. But Mm -hmm. that's what I suggest is don't try to be on top of everything. Pick Mm -hmm. one thing, start with one thing. We cannot be perfect. This is an ever evolving thing. I have been working on healing my adrenal glands for 20 years. I still have a way to go and that's okay, you know? And, but there's little successes that I've had along the way. And with each success, it almost allows your body to welcome more success. And so just starting with one thing, um, daily gratitude, you know, Mm -hmm. or reframing a situation. Uh, removing people or experiences from your life that bring you down. Those are things that, you know, that could take 10 years to do. But every time you make a success in that, you're going to feel better and better over time. So I think one of the, when you're under stress, one of the things that you tend to do more than anything is try to take on more stress and do too many things. It's like a, when you're running from a bear, you have a need to control. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things you need to do is let that go. We don't have the control to control anybody else or anything else. All we can do is take the information we have right now in this moment and make the best decision that we can right now and then be cool with that. Walk away from it and say, hey, I did the best I could. I'm going to let it go. We also can't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, It's too, we just have to be present right now. So I think if you can work on just being present, and really honing in on the things that raise your blood pressure, that make your heart rate go, and then go, okay, that's one of those things that I got to just add to the list down the lo- road that needs to go, right? Fill yourself with positivity, joy, and just um, openness to yeah. whatever happens. Um, that's one of the hardest skills. And I think when I go through adrenal fatigue programs with my patients, one of the hardest things is that aspect is just saying, Hey, this was meant to happen. We're supposed to learn something from this experience, from whatever you're going through. So what, what's the value here? What's the value in what I just went through and how can I now use that in my life? And that's absolutely the hardest thing. It's real easy to not real easy, but it's easier to change your diet, take supplements, you know, do those types of things. It's not easy to change your mindset. You mentioned the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. Can you talk to me about the difference between these two? Absolutely. That's a great Mm -hmm. question. 
So we have two nervous systems that essentially tell our body what to do. So mm -hmm. we have the sympathetic nervous system, which is a fight or flight response. So you jump out of a plane, you run into a bear, you know, our body during that time, its only goal is to survive. That's it. Mm -hmm. All it wants to do. So it diverts energy to the muscles so you can run, increases your blood pressure, you know, focuses your eyes on your destination. Um, I always say um, with the many of my patients say that they experience brain fog a lot. And one of the reasons that happens with stress is that when you're in that fight or flight, you're focusing on what you're trying to do. You don't see the flowers in the lake when you run by, when you're running yeah. from there. You don't notice it. it. You don't remember details. You can't because you have to survive, right? The parasympathetic nervous system is the opposite. It's where it's called the rest and digest. It's where we repair cells. We build our immune system. We digest and absorb nutrients from our food. We sleep. Um, and we're supposed to be in parasympathetic the majority of the time. We're not supposed to be over here, uh, but we are. And I personally think a lot of that has to do with the, I have a love, love, hate relationship with technology because I love how nice it is to connect with people. But at the same time, there have been numerous studies showing that just scrolling through YouTube or Facebook or Instagram stimulates the fight or flight system. So if you think of how much the average person spends on a computer, on their phone, you know, doing those types of things, they're, they're spending more and more time in sympathetic response. And I see that with kids too. Um, and so what we need to do is we need to move towards spending more time in parasympathetic um, activity because that's where our health lies. Uh, mm -hmm. We can't possibly, you know, manage our immune system when we're running from a bear. We don't want to stop and have sex when we're running from a bear. We don't want to reproduce. We don't want to relax. We don't want to laugh. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, don't want to find joy. We don't want to sleep. We want to run. And so that's kind of the difference. And, and the adrenal glands are 100% the drivers behind which nervous system is going to kick in. And that's exactly why when you have adrenal fatigue, you start to see problems in the areas that the parasympathetic nervous system normally handles digestion, you know, blood, bringing blood pressure down, you know, absorption of nutrients, healing of the body, repairing of skin cells, hair, nails, those types of things, parasympathetic over here. We don't care. We just want to live. Yes. And you mentioned increase of blood pressure when you experience stress and it's also correlated to increase in heart rate. Can you talk to us more about you may develop hypertension if you are experiencing adrenal fatigue and chronic stress? Yeah, there's actually a couple different ways that can happen. Um, let me see if I can keep it clear and concise mm -hmm. for you. Number one, when you're running, obviously you need to increase your blood pressure to get more blood flow to muscles to get away from the bear. So that's the mm -hmm. initial rise. Also in that process, if you have chronic stress, you're always under stress, you start to deplete really important nutrients in your body, namely some B vitamins, B5, mm. B6, B12, and folate. Mm. Now, in order to regulate our blood pressure on a nat, you know, normally, we need those vitamins to do that. So as you deplete those vitamins, you have a secondary increase in blood pressure due to a depletion of nutrients. Mm. So you've got the initial reaction from the adrenal glands, you've got the subsequent nutrient deficiency. From that nutrient deficiency, there's also an increase in certain inflammatory markers, making the body more inflammatory. When the body becomes more inflammatory, 
that's stressful. So that goes back and feeds back into another stressful event, which raises your blood pressure more, right? Mm -hmm. Over time with that inflammation, you also can end up with blocked arteries, you know, more as um, occluded arteries over time, which also leads to increases in blood pressure. So there's multiple ways that it can do it. They all link back to stress though. They all link back to our ability to not allow the body to rest. When we rest, our blood pressure goes down. Mm -hmm. In fact, um, a little, a little tip, you can try this is that when you're under a lot of stress, if you start to feel your heart rate go up, or you start to feel like you're really anxious, um, and you take your blood pressure and it's a little bit elevated a lot of the times by just removing yourself from a situation, taking a few deep breaths, you know, saying a couple words of affirmation or going outside, you know, walking around a little bit, you go back and take your blood pressure and heart rate again, and it'll be low. It'll be mm. back down we have that ability to manage that sympathetic nervous system. And that's exactly what I'm asking people to learn how to do because we, we can do it. We can actually bring those numbers down by lowering that sympathetic response. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Cause like just practicing these things that you've suggested, it could really prevent you from developing hypertension, which can potentially lead you to a stroke or heart attack. Right? Sure. So it's yep. very empowering to know these information. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I'm all about holistic health and aside from, you know, incorporating healthy food and a healthy lifestyle and being more grateful about your everyday life. Yeah. Turning <laughs> that just, cell phone off. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Or, you know, at least maybe putting um, an alert or a notice on your phone to say like, Hey, you know, you're limited to only this amount of time on your screen. I, I like doing that. But do you think there, do you have any suggestions on what supplements we can take to improve our overall, overall health, uh, immune system? Yeah. Um, well, overall health in general, if you're mm -hmm. under stress, which I think most of us are definitely have to look at taking B vitamins. Now, not all mm -hmm. B vitamins are created equal. Uh, you definitely want to take methylated B vitamins, meaning that they're mm -hmm. already readily available to your body. Your body doesn't have to convert them because if you're under stress, your body doesn't have time to convert it. Uh, mm -hmm. it's too busy running. So methylated B vitamins, very, very important, especially in cardiovascular uh, conditions, 100% and in diabetes, um, oh. breaking down food into energy. A lot of people say, well, B vitamins are great for energy and combating fatigue and they're right. But for a multitude of reasons, um, they're involved in pretty much every biochemical pathway in our body for the creation of energy, um, and mood and otherwise, uh, number two, vitamin C also highly, mm. highly deficient in people under stress and also imperative to your immune system have to have vitamin C in there yeah. in order to have a proper immune response. Magnesium is also really commonly deficient in those that have adrenal fatigue. Also those with thyroid disorders, um, especially if a result of adrenal fatigue, when you're low in magnesium, you get a lot of muscle aches and pains, feel kind of mm. stiff, restless legs, things like that. Um, so magnesium is really important. The other minerals that also become deficient easily that are very important in the immune system to get to the second half of that are zinc and selenium, um, mm -hmm. zinc, selenium, and vitamin D. So those are very, very important, not only for the immune system, but also just for helping us regulate stress. When we want to do anything in our body, it's kind of like a machine, like a conveyor belt. And it's mm -hmm. like one thing after another. And there's these little things called cofactors that come in and, and help it move down the conveyor belt. And those are your minerals. 
zinc, selenium, magnesium, calcium, all you know, boron, strontium, manganese, all these little minerals that we find in our soil, in fruits and vegetables are there to help things moving down the pathway, right? So that's why it's so important to replenish those, particularly if you're someone that has a high stress lifestyle. Yeah, no, that's good to know. Would you suggest to um, purchase individual specific, for example, vitamin C, a separate vitamin C, uh, separate vitamin D, compared to just getting a multivitamin that has all of these um, vitamins and minerals? Um, it depends. Now, mm. for somebody who's not under a lot of stress and are maybe on the younger side and they haven't, you know, they're, they're putting those mind-body elements in and they're eating a good diet, sometimes a multivitamin is enough. However, I find by the time you've been impacted by stress, I usually recommend a, a good quality multivitamin with all the little minerals and then adding B, adding mm. C, adding D if your levels are not adequate. You can check that very easily if your levels aren't adequate um, and magnesium often to that um, because they're just not enough. You can only fit so much into a pill. You know, there's, yeah. I'd love to say there's like this one pill that does all it's never that way. And I think everybody is so individualized. Everybody has a different diet, different exercise regimen, different genetics. Mm -hmm. So often more often than none, I'm, I'm adding to the multivitamin. I want to talk about your book. It's called oh, yeah. Total Health Turnaround. Yeah. Can you give us a quick cliff notes on what this is all about? Yes. Um, you know, I wrote this book because I started to see the links in my practice between stress and disease and symptoms. So I would start treating the adrenal glands in a patient who, say, came in for gut problems and they would mm. get better. And then I'd start to treat a patient with hypothyroidism, treat their adrenal glands and they would get better and, mm. and so on. So what I did is I started to draw out a map and I did this on a napkin in a coffee shop and my, my kids were so young. I remember being so exhausted and I had this pen and all I had was a napkin and I drew out how stress impacts every single major system in the body and how that relates to the main diseases that we have in America and it all lined up. And that was kind of the premise of the book. So the breast, the book breaks it down into each individual chapter, how stress impacts your blood sugar how stress impacts your hormones, how stress impacts your thyroid, how stress, you know, and so on. And then gives you an idea of the supplements that are important to manage stress, mm -hmm. talks about mind body aspects of it, ways, you know, daily things that you can do to get your body out of that stress response. And then also has diet recommendations, teaches you how to eat nutrient dense food. I think that as I said earlier, education is really the most empowering thing that we can have. So what I, I basically wrote it as an educational resource for patients to read and then be able to go into their doctor and say, hey, these are the labs you need to check, or this mm. is what I've been starting, or this, this is the supplement that I really want to start. And here's why, and here are the studies associated with it. Am I okay to start it? Because if you don't know those questions, like you just said a little while ago, if you don't know what to ask, you won't ask them. So that was what it was created for, was for you to go in and say, I have this resource and I want to incorporate it into my life. So it's available on Amazon. Um, it did really well. It sold really well. I think it spoke to a lot of people. And I've seen a lot of people get better just by really recognizing how stress is impacting their body. Oh, I'm definitely going to get my hands on that book. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is it available on audiobook too? Because I love listening to audiobooks, especially, you know, when I'm doing errands or cleaning chores. <laughs> I know I need to do that, right? No, no. And then yet. you have such a great voice and I feel like it's soothing and relaxing. So that's an added part on how we can start on our relaxing journey. 
is to hear your voice give us all these tips. <laughs> I'm gonna have to work on that. I better start reading it into an audiobook. I will take your suggestions. It's not available yet, but I will absolutely put it on my list. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> no but pressure I, though. I don't want to add stress. <laughs> it, it wouldn't be stressful at all. It would probably be good for me to read it again. You know, it's always yeah. it's always a good reminder every time to kind of remind yourself what you're telling other people to do so you can hold yourself accountable, right? Yeah, no, I love that. So I know <laughs> a lot of things are opening up even, you know, we're starting to eat out in restaurants, go on our travels. And I've noticed like me and my friends talked about we because we've been cooking right at home for the most part. And I know there's Postmates or Dash, uh, DoorDash, we still order out. But now that we are more uh, eating out more frequently, and we feel the effects of eating out in restaurants. Do you think you have any suggestions and how we can still make healthier choices, but still enjoy ourselves when we start traveling and eating out in restaurants? Because I know um, you mentioned causing stress in our internal system. So how can we prevent that, but still enjoy our time? Yeah. And I know it's been so interesting because across the nation, different people have different restrictions. You know, here in Arizona, mm -hmm. we've been going out to eat the entire time um, <laughs> with some restrictions here or there. Of course, um, yeah. I think um, when it comes to picking meals, you know, I do think cooking at home is great. And that's mm -hmm. what we choose to do primarily. But if you do cook, that's actually an asset to you, because when you go to a restaurant and you look at a menu, you know, I'm notorious for saying, well, I'd like that, but I see you also have Brussels sprouts. Could you add the Brussels sprouts to that and take out that and do this or that? So I think <laughs> you have the knowledge of cooking that can really help you in ordering out. And I think the other thing, as far as just getting out is absolutely enjoy that moment. Don't worry about everything going on around you. You know, if you've prepped your body to be as healthy as possible, you, you just have to get back to life. We have to get back to being with people. We have to get back to those little moments because we only have one life to live. So take these opportunities to go out with your friends, to enjoy their company, to have good conversation, and then just make the best choices you can on the menu. And don't worry about it. The next day is a new day right? Yeah. Um, you know, um, there are some things you can also do when I eat out, I, I take digestive enzymes, um, to just kind of mm. help my body digest, or you could have a little shot of apple cider vinegar ahead of time. If you kind of have reactions to foods out, those are some little tips as well. And plenty of water, just drink tons of water. So the body can clear out anything that you consume that isn't as clean as it would have been, uh, at home. Yeah. Oh, I love that suggestion of digestive enzymes. Yeah. 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 So here at Hello Beauty, we have a philosophy and it's say hello to the beauty in you. What advice can you give to those who are trying to discover their beauty within? Yeah, I absolutely believe that beauty comes from within uh, 100%. And I know it sounds cliche, but you do attract what you put out there. And it's real easy for us to look in the mirror and pick on little things um, when really true beauty just comes from the comfortability of understanding why you are the way you are and loving the way you are. Um, I think that comes from an area of self-love. And I think one of my best tips for people, because um, when people do self-love, a lot of times they fake it. So they look at the mm. good things in their life and they focus on that. Here's the thing. All of us look in the mirror and say, oh, I don't like my ear or eh, I don't like the way this looks or blah, blah, blah. Take those things that you're not happy with and find the positive light in them. You know. Um, you may not like your nose, but does it smell? 
because there's a lot of people that can't smell beautiful things right now, right? So find those things, find the beauty in those and really take an, a dive deep and find those because when you start to really address those negative thoughts, you actually become even more beautiful when you start emitting positivity towards yourself. So um, that's my advice. And that's where I find beauty is just in the energy that somebody puts off um, more so than their physical beauty. I love that. Yeah, I agree 100%. So talk to me about your hair care, skincare and makeup routine morning to night quickly products. Absolutely. So most of my routine comes from within. I drink a ton of water. I eat a lot of plants um, and I do exercise every day. Why? So I can get blood flow to my skin and otherwise. So I'm a fairly simple person, but just like I think any any girl out there, I love to look beautiful and put together. So uh, wash my face every day. I use serum. I use moisturizer and I exfoliate twice a week, like a little bit more deeply. Um, I use all organic uh, products um, free of uh, chemicals the best that I can. Uh, my hair dye even um, has is a lot cleaner than most. Um, and I use products on my hair, on my teeth, on my face that don't have all of those added chemicals. And I think that's made a huge difference. Um, also probiotics and liver support, you know, just really paying attention to your liver paying attention to those good bugs in your body, help your skin glow more. Um, so those are kind of my little, my little beauty tips. As far as brands, I use a wide variety. I love uh, Eminence. I love Layers, um, O&M, Organic Way, Naturopathica. I'm, I'm kind of a, a rotator of beauty products because yeah. I just, and if they smell good, even better, like not artificial fragrances, but like you know, mango and apricot and things mm -hmm. like that. I just love that. So I rotate those all the time. Uh, but I think uh, my beauty routine is more about consistency, low level consistency um, than doing anything really major per day. You mentioned making sure that your liver is, you know, good. <laughs> what yeah. are your tips on making sure that we have this in check? <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, we always are encountering toxins. I don't mm -hmm. care how clean your lifestyle is. It's yeah, kind of yeah. like, you got to just do what you can do, right? Yeah, you do the yeah. best you can. Um, so there are a lot of herbs that actually are used for the liver mm -hmm. and definitely talk to your doctor about them because they do have different contraindications, but uh, milk thistle, burdock root, burdock root is one of my favorite for skin health. Uh, just seems to bring that glow out from wow. the inside mm -hmm. out. Um, and then looking at things like juices, um, you know, green juices, green leafy vegetables, nuts, seeds, those types of things help clear our liver naturally. And of course, keeping the stress down and accessing that parasympathetic mm -hmm. activity will also help the liver clean. You know, we take the garbage out at night in our body. That's when the liver cleans everything out is primarily while you're sleeping. So you want to make sure you're getting really proper rest um, and that the janitor does show up to do his work. So uh, when we're under stress, they don't show up quite as often. So those are some things that you can do to support your liver in addition to tons of water. I can't stress the importance of water when it comes to beauty, when it comes to skin health, hair health, nail health, nail health. We need water or we will take it from those things in order to, to get it to where it needs to go. Yeah, no, that's a good reminder. I drink a lot of tea and coffee and just because it's liquid, sometimes you're thinking you're drinking like water, quote unquote water, but you're not. It's totally different because those are, those, you know, are, are, are very diuretic and they can dry you out. So I feel like we need to be reminded to drink a lot of water and that those two things are different. <laughs> yeah. And you can use yeah. herbal teas, herbal teas that don't have caffeine in them are not as diuretic focused. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, some herbs are, but 
for the most part, you can work some little teas in there. Sometimes I smash raspberries into my water mm. uh, or like some sort of, you know, people do lemon and lime, but you can do raspberries, yeah. strawberries, blueberries, you know, all these types of things in your water as well, just to make it taste a little bit yeah. different and fun, you know? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. What does the road ahead look like for your practice? And maybe if you have any more exciting projects ahead of you. Gosh, you know, like I just said, I don't spend a ton of time worrying about tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, when I set out, when I kind of moved to, I, I still have my practice, but when I started to speak out more and educate people more, it really fueled something in me um, to just want to keep going and keep talking to people and getting my word out there and just saying, look, we have the power to be well. So I guess what I envision is just seeing me continuing to touch more people, to open up eyes of more people, to, to realize how much we really have within us and how strong our body really is, how resilient we are. Um, so I just want to continue to keep, keep doing that um, and hopefully write some more books in the future and just have more resources that I can put out there for you to, to get well and feel well and be well and live the best life that you can. Yeah, no, we'll definitely keep a lookout and we're going to watch for all these amazing new projects and more books and maybe speaking engagements that you have in the near future. But yeah. where can they find you to connect with you and learn more about what you're up to? Absolutely. Well, my website is drpingle.com and that's D-R-P-I-N-G-E-L.com. All of my links to social media are on there, but they're all fairly simple. Most of them are at Dr. Pingle or at Dr. Trisha Pingle. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, I'm just adding more and more. I have recipes. So my website is a blog that has health and wellness articles, beauty DIY. So like how to make your own masks out of stuff from your kitchen, for example, which is a lot of fun. Um, and then as well as recipes to help teach you how to eat a nutrient dense diet and have fun cooking in the kitchen as well. So tons of resources there. So check me out. I do a live Q and a every Friday where you can come on and ask questions about, oh, yeah. you know, different, different health conditions and my approach to that. And I do that on Facebook and Instagram every Friday, typically in the morning. Yeah, I know that's so fun. Yeah. We'll definitely check that out. Thank you so much, Dr. Trisha Pingle. I had so much learning more about these things and such good reminders. And I actually added more information to my health and wellness knowledge. Thank you. Well, I so appreciate being here. Thank you so much for your time and interest. I really do appreciate it. Thank you.